Welcome everybody to Full Kit Wanker Podcast, your weekly recap of all things soccer related. Brought to you by two Americans, Stephen and Ryan. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at FKW Podcast and email us with any critiques, criticisms, feedback at fkwpodcast at gmail.com. Now to the show. Go, go, go. Welcome back to Full Kit Wanker Podcast, Stephen. It's been two weeks. Missed you, man. How have you been? I've been well. How have you been? Man, I've been pretty good. Um, did want to start off with a little word from our sponsors, though. Um, this this episode of Full Kit Wanker is coming to you courtesy of Shelby Cleat, Sharp, Cleat Sharpeners. Um, they are the number one name in the game when it comes to sharpening your cleats. Um, you ever have those, uh, those cleats, you know, where your spikes seem to be studded down after a while of um, you know, running up and down the pitch and, and a lot of games being racked up in a short period of time. Well, Shelby's here for you. Um, a simple five-minute process will take those spikes right back to where they were day one. Um, so go out and check those out. Shelby, cleats, sharpeners um, on sale right now. You can use the uh, code FKW69 uh, to get a nice little <laughs> discount there. So I want to thank you. Uh, our first sponsor there, Shelby Cleat Sharpeners. Thank you. Wow, uh, I guess you aren't uh, salty about anything at all. Salty? No, 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 no. I'm I'm open minded when it comes to uh, when it comes to our advertisers. Um, you know, there's basically nothing I will not allow to be advertised on this program. Hmm. Okay, uh, we'll keep that in mind when we're uh, running low on money and need the support of some Nazis. We can let them advertise the uh, like their macaroni and cheese or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or their um their bumper rams, um, those big grill guards for bumpers. Uh I mm-hmm. think that I think that was in use this past week in Charlottesville. Yeah. Terrible, tragic uh situation. We just wanna uh cond- oh, we don't condone the uh actions of uh any of the alt right or not Nazis as you may know them. Uh and uh, best wishes to all that were injured and uh, tragically killed in the attacks. Very well said, Stephen. Very well said. So so to soccer we go. Uh, we started off with a barn burner on Friday in the Premier League. What a way to kick off the season. Uh, Leicester and Arsenal went toe-to-toe for a full 90 minutes and then some with Arsenal finding a way to... Uh, to cross the the finish line first, four to three. What were your thoughts on that crazy game to kick off the season? Oh, it was uh, it was very exciting uh, from kickoff, you know, to the to the end of the match. It was uh, it had my attention. Definitely the the game of the match of the weekend. I think. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, any concern if you're an Arsenal fan giving up three to Leicester City whenever um, they're a squad that really just sits back and lets you play? possession all you want and that's that's exactly like how arsenal like to play oh yeah i I definitely think uh any arsenal supporters uh should be worried um that wasn't definitely wasn't a good performance uh if you're an arsenal fan um but it was exciting from a neutral standpoint yeah i was uh i was primed and ready for arsenal tv after uh you know about the first 75 minutes of that match watching you know, Lester jump out to that three-two lead, and then um, uh, I was just ready for the Wenger out chance to start after game one. But um, the the team saw it through. Olivier Giroud came through to to get him across, um, despite a lackluster performance uh, in most areas of the pitch. I would say Lacazette did look nice, though. He looks like he uh, he's going to transition well into the Premier League. Um, mm-hmm. Leicester City. Leicester City showed me a little more than what I thought. Maybe they had left um, after their twelfth place finish last year. Um, do you think that they're a team that finishes in the top half this year? Um, yeah, if they hold on to Mares, um, I think Roma, you know, are putting their foots down and uh, or feet down, uh, and saying, you know, we need to know if we're going to get him or not. So I think we'll find out in the next couple of days. Yeah, I took it to be very telling that he was out there um, in the starting 11 for Leicester. You know, usually whenever these guys are going through the transfer speculation at the beginning of the season, um, 
it's not normal to see the ones that are caught up in all that and, and possibly being sold to uh, to take the field in the starting 11. So, uh, which, you know, brings us to the point that Arsenal, um, Alexi Sanchez supposedly out with some type of thigh injury, um, a player notable for his ability to play through almost any injury. I believe Arsene Wenger, I'll paraphrase this, but he has said before that there's no injury that'll keep a player like Alexi Sanchez out of the starting 11, um, that he's always wanting to play through any pain, any ailments. Uh, but there he was on the sideline for the entire game, uh, not even suited up. Well, he was injured. Arsene Wenger doesn't know the extent of his injury. He's not yeah, a medical but, doctor. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's more to be read into that situation than um, a, a slight thigh contusion or whatever kept him on the sideline. Uh, there were moments of the game where they, the, the of course, the camera spanned over the box that he was sitting in and. Um, he didn't look like he was too upset about the uh, the start of the game and the fact that Arsenal went down. Uh, he seemed to kind of just be taking it all in and uh, uh, as if a neutral, you know, like almost like us watching the match where, you know, we don't have a vested interest. And um, so I, I, I'd have to say that if I'm a betting man, it looks like he is probably on his way out. Where do you think, where is he going to go? Well, I don't know. That's a, that does bring up a good question because PSG, um, you know, obviously have been in the mix and the amount of money that they spent to go get Neymar, uh, not sure how they would be able to do that under the uh, financial fair play, uh, you know, limits that, they, you know, that the, the European Football Commission has set out. So be interesting to see if they're able to finagle some way. Uh, you know, the, the whole Neymar saga went down where Neymar was purchased and then they came out and said that it didn't meet the FFP guidelines and then somehow he still got pushed through. So I'm not even really sure how much um, those guidelines can apply to a team like PSG who's just willing to go spend, you know, billions of dollars on players, it seems like. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, Arsenal may just stick to their guns and, and keep him for the season and, you know, he'll he'll leave for nothing at the end of the year. Yeah, that's a very non-Arson Wenger uh, type play there. You know, he he's big on if a player is going into his last year of the contract, he's either going to sell him or he's going to re-sign him. But he doesn't like to have players walk away uh, on free transfers. He likes to, you know, recoup as much as he can. Um, and they're set to, you know, take in a nice payday if they do sell him. I, mean, I think the numbers were around 70 million euros. Um and so with this transfer market being what it has been so far, you know, I don't think that that's an unrealistic number. And a, a number like that would usually get a team like Arsenal, uh, who's very budget conscious, to, to make that move. But we'll see if uh, Arsenal can stick by his guns and um, keep him around. Uh, not sure how much you'd even want a player like that who's got his thoughts elsewhere to you know, take the field for you every week. But um, you know, maybe, maybe you have a different opinion on his ability to separate the two and be able to go out there and be a professional and play. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think, uh, um, I mean, he could obviously go out there and, and still <clears throat> contribute, uh, quite a bit this season and then leave at the end of the season. You know, if, uh, I don't think he's going to agree to a contract extension before the end of the season. Um, so he's going to, keep his options open. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And, and Mesut Ozil also is in the last year of his contract, but he has seemed more open-minded or at least more willing to consider the option of extending his contract. So a couple players there in the, the Arsenal sideline to keep an eye out on. Uh, be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously a, a player like Alexi Sanchez walking away or being um, taken to another club would uh, put a dent in their title. Um, hopes. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. But uh, we'll move on to Saturday. Saturday was chock full of games. Uh, what was the most notable game that you, you took in on Saturday of this weekend? Um, I think the the Liverpool match, actually. Um, they ended up drawing Watford 3-3. Um, they look like they could probably score eight goals per match. They also look like they could give up for any match. Um, I think that's, uh, I think uh, that one of their weak spots right now is, is goalkeeper actually. Yeah. Well, what's his name, you know, who was 
you know, basically on the bench and then starting on the bench, starting for Liverpool last year, did not have a good start to his season. Multiple, multiple errant kicks, um, putting his defenders under pressure by playing out of the back. Um, I I don't, I don't know how they didn't go upgrade that. It seems like Klopp has no faith in him, uh, you know, the Liverpool manager, but there he was starting on Saturday. What is that kid's name again? Um, Mignolet. Yeah, Mignolet. Um, but they, you know, the other guy is is younger than him, um, Loris Carius, uh, I think his name is German goalkeeper. Um, you know, I think they, you know, that seems to be Klopp's guy. So I don't know why he just doesn't, just, you know, go all in on him. Yeah, it looks like that that might be a, a move that they're going to have to make uh, because it was a pitiful performance by him. And I mean, granted, their offensive side of the ball, they look like they could roll out and score five goals a match. Uh, but Watford was able to pull three back and, and walk away with one point. You know, in all this conversation about Liverpool's meltdown and their lack of defense and all that, do you think this says anything about Watford um, and their resiliency and being able to find a way to pull out a draw? Yeah, I think that's going to be important for them this season. Um, <clears throat> obviously, they're one of the smaller clubs, so they're uh, you know fighting an uphill battle against clubs like Liverpool. So you know, getting any anything they can against you know the top six, top six or seven uh, uh, clubs that is going to be beneficial to their uh, survival hopes. Yeah, yeah. Well, my biggest match of Saturday had to be the the Chelsea Burnley match um where Mr. Tim Cahill uh gets sent off in the 15th minute or so and Burnley proceeds to put three back to back to back goals up on the score sheet. Um Chelsea did make it interesting. Avaro Morata uh did get his opening day uh tally on the board. He scored his first goal in his first match coming off the bench for Chelsea, but it was not enough as Chelsea um the title defenders lose on opening day three to two to Burnley. Um, You would figure that a team like Chelsea, even down to 10 men would be able to find a way to hold Burnley, um, a squad that will probably struggle for goals throughout the season, uh, you know, to a one, one draw, um, you know, even possibly just go into a shell and allow, you know, the, the clock to run out zero, zero, but, um, it looked like they did not know what they were doing once Cahill walked off the pitch with that red card and uh, promptly gave up three goals in pretty quick succession out there. Uh, any concerns for Conte if you're uh, if you're a man on the sideline for the title defenders right now? Uh, yeah, I definitely think they're they're already in trouble dropping a, a match at home to an opponent they should be beating pretty easily. Um, you know they got a tough match coming up uh next week against spurs at wembley um so you know they could be two matches in the season with zero points which you know looking at how you know manchester united city uh spurs arsenal and liverpool all played um you know i don't think it's a good situation to be in you know digging a early hole yeah, 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 it looks like um, everybody is pretty much geared up and ready to go. And, um, you know, we saw it last season where Arsenal and Spurs both had really strong endings to the season. Um, but Chelsea's first half of the year form is what separated them and, and just did not allow for Spurs and Arsenal and a few others to make up the ground necessary to really make it interesting in those last five matches of the season. I mean, I think uh, Spurs finished 12 wins out of their last 13. Um, and the one loss that they did pick up was actually the one that eliminated them from contention for the championship. But, um, you know, where Spurs cost themselves last year was at the beginning of the season where they just were drawing too many games, uh, whereas Chelsea were finding ways to to win out victories. Um, so it, it will be interesting if they were to walk into next week's match uh, against Spurs. And, you know, I would even say that a draw would hurt them. You know, that's, that's going to be Spurs up four to one on them in points. Um, and, and a few others, maybe even up six to one on them in points, um, when the weekend concludes. So interesting to see what happens there. Um, I, I would say that their defense, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I, I just don't have a lot of faith 
and an aging Tim Cahill, and then an always precocious uh, David Louise back there. Um, you know, I, I would figure that they would have some some additional bodies coming in, uh, but that doesn't seem to be where the focus was this offseason. It seems that they put more more focus on replacing their striker up front um, and a few other players, but. Uh, you know, losing Maddich in midfield to United, uh, I think that that'll be detrimental to their abilities. And, and I just don't know if Tim Cahill at his age is going to be able to perform for the entire season at the high level that they'll need him to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tim Cahill is uh, is no John Terry. Um, and uh, I'm pretty, I think they let Kurt Zuma go out on loan to, to Stoke, I believe, uh, before the start of the season. So, I mean... You know, if Cahill and and Louise aren't aren't you know playing up to their ability, which uh, let's be honest, Louise has been kind of in, inconsistent. You know, either love him or hate him. Uh, Cahill has been pretty consistent, but I think he might leave a little to be desi- desired if you're uh, one of the teams, you know, uh, competing for the Champions League or wanting to compete for the Champions League. Uh, title every year. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 I'm right there with you on that one. So just to kind of recap the rest of Saturday, um, Everton was able to pick up three points against Stoke, one uh, nil victory there. Uh, Southampton and Swansea finished nil nil. Um, West Brom topped Burnmouth one uh, nil, and then Huddersfield beat Crystal Palace three nil. And uh, then the other uh, title contender. Uh, Pep Guardiola and his Man City boys were able to put down Brighton 2-0. Um, not a lot of news, I would say, from any of those matches, although I did think it was pretty interesting to see that Huddersfield was able to put up three against Crystal Palace uh, on opening day, a team that just got promoted this past year, and I think in many people's eyes would be a team that they consider as a relegation battle um, team. You know, As we approach the end of the season, they'll probably be one of the five or six teams that are down there near the bottom. So a big victory there. Did you uh did you catch anything from those matches that you know caught your eye? Um yeah, I think in reference to the Huddersfield uh Crystal Palace match, I think that's definitely a bad sign for uh Crystal Palace who have some talented players, but they've been, you know, kind of inconsistent, which, you know, leaves them in trouble sometimes. Um another thing, uh congratulations to Wayne Rooney. Scoring on his return to Everton <laughs> after 13 yes, let's, years. Let's not overlook the the rune uh, coming back to Everton in that blue, which, I mean, it does look good on him, I will say. Um, you know, the, the Everton blue does seem to suit him, and it, that was a nice goal. It did not look like an old man goal. He had to do some work uh, getting up for that header and putting it in. Um, it looked like a vintage Wayne Rooney goal. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he was just being asked to do too much at United. Um, you know, he carried that, that team after Ronaldo left for, you know, however many years. Um, you know, he dropped back from striker to play uh, more of a midfield role because that's what they needed. Um, you know, and he, he ended up having a great career for United, but I think it's nice that, you know, he can go back to, to Everton and um, finish out his career, you know, three or four more years probably. Uh, I mean... Looked pretty good out there this past weekend, so I think yeah, he's yeah. still got some gas in the tank. Yeah, I would I would be shocked if he went three or four more seasons, but you know, I think he could easily find a way to, you know, this season, next season. Um over under Wayne Rooney for fifteen goals this season in the Premier League. Mm. That's tough. I'll say under, but only because he's gonna end up with like thirteen or fourteen. So okay. still a respectable amount, but not over 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that if he were able to top 15 goals for Everton, that might spell a pretty successful run, um, you know, for them. I, I think that that could put them, launch them into maybe a, a top six contention, whereas right now mm-hmm. you, you, you struggle fitting them in anywhere above the top eight you know I, I think that they'll crack the top eight but without somebody coming out and really playing out of their mind and putting in a lot of goals for them I, you know it's a, it's tough to see them really being able to to score enough to be up mm-hmm. there with the man cities of the world and so 
But hey, good for Wayne Rooney. I know that that probably made you happy uh, on Saturday, seeing that go in and, and being a match winner and all. Yeah, and uh, I mean they they spent quite a bit of money this this uh, summer, so uh, they should have a deeper squad. Um, you know, probably you know let their let their good players get a little bit more rest, uh, and uh, you know, I think they'll they'll be right up there in the in the top seven. Um, challenging you know for that fourth uh champions league spot and if you think about it they got a player of uh rooney's caliber for free and then they sold lukaku for you know however much money so that's yeah, they're def- not a terrible transaction no 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 it's definitely not a, a terrible transaction um, we'll get to the united match today and the fact that lukaku got off the board but if you look at it right now through one match they're even on goals. Um, you know, they, they both oh, were on winning Lukaku teams this weekend. What was that? Uh, Lukaku scored two this weekend. Oh, he had two today. Uh, oh, okay. Mm. I, I did not see the second one, I guess. Um, yeah, so, so I, I guess... Twice as good as, uh, as Rooney. <laughs> well, two times zero is still zero. So uh, I would say that Everton maybe thinks that they are winning in that, uh, in that transaction. Um, another another quick note with Swansea City is the fact that Gilfie Sigurdsson is caught up um, in a transfer saga of his own. Uh, a team like Swansea City usually don't correlate their players being caught up in things like that, but he did not play this weekend. W- what is your opinion? You know, there's a lot of back and forth on the fact that the transfer window goes on until... Um, you know, the third week of the season or something like that. Uh, do you think it's detrimental to these clubs in the Premier League, the fact that the transfer window is open uh, throughout the first part of the season? Um, I think they can let it be detrimental, but, you know, inherently it's not, you know. You see these, you know, the, some of these clubs get all their business done before um, they kick off their first league match, you know, so... I don't see see why other clubs can't. Yeah, well, you have you have teams like Barcelona who, you know, did their Neymar uh, business late. And, and you know, the the transfer market is really driven by the the top, the top of the top. You know, the 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 Real Madrids, the Barcelona, the PSGs, the teams that can spend money. Um, so when something like Neymar, when that domino falls, um, and he shifts over to PSG only a week before the season kicking off, you know that they're going to look to spend some of that money and so players like not maybe Gilfie Sigurdsson but uh Philip Coutinho Christian Eriksen uh you know players that are instrumental in their in their team right now being caught up in this whirlwind you know I I don't know how you don't let it get to you um you know I I think that we can all sit here and say well as a professional football player you should be able to separate the two you should be able to go out there and play on the pitch but you know try to conduct your business behind the scenes but in all honesty, you know, if you're out there performing at a high rate for your team, um, they're even less likely to sell you. You know, there's very, very few teams today in, um, you know, the financial market that these these top tier, especially Premier League teams play in that they're not going to be held hostage by teams like Barcelona. But a player who's had his head turned oftentimes, um, you know, their only option is to sit out or to hand in a transfer request and uh, you know I, I just don't know I don't know if that situation that environment is necessarily a good thing um, it does make it interesting from from the viewer's point of view I think unless you're a supporter of one of those squads but uh, you know to watch Barcelona be able to come in and and just put a dark cloud over the Premier League just because they have some money to spend and a need now that Neymar's gone um, I, I think that overall that's not good for for the league yeah um but what are you gonna do yeah there's nothing you can do i guess you know this is the way it's been it's the way it's going to continue um so uh yeah so so philip coutinho we did not touch on that with the liverpool um you know he has i believe submitted a transfer request but klopp came out and said that this was done too late you know the season has begun so he has taken a stance now where he is saying they're not going to sell the player even though he has requested to be sold do you think that there's any obligation on the team to to meet the demands of a player? Or do you think that this is the um, that the team has every right to stand up and say that too? 
Uh, no, the the team has every right to you know say no, we're not going to sell you. He just signed a contract extension in January, so I mean, even if you know Barcelona are saying you know this is it now or never, you know if you don't <clears throat> agree to a transfer now, you know you're never going to play here. Um, but I mean, I think he should uh, you know, show some commitment to the team he just uh re-upped with you know at the start of the year yeah yeah well i mean it's it's very true that these uh you know real madrid's and barcelona's of the world don't come knocking very often and so a lot of these players who grew up watching uh you know the two spanish superpowers duke it out every year um it's hard not to get caught up you know it's kind of like wanting to play for the yankees or the cowboys and in american sports you know whenever Whenever you grow up watching the pinstripes or the the cowboys, um, you know there's always that natural inclination to want to play for them someday. And I think that with the way the NFL is set up, obviously there's not as much of that going on. But I think there's still with the no salary cap part of that still takes place in, in baseball um, here domestically. And and there are players who grow up lifelong Yankee fans who you know when the Yankees come knocking, they take the opportunity and they take the paycheck and go. Well, yeah, like that and uh, in basketball, um, people, you know, there's there there are certain teams that are destinations, um, whether it be the uh, franchise's history or, um, you know, the uh, physical location, like South Beach, for example. Yeah, yeah, or I mean, and and not to mention that there are certain markets where obviously will allow you to get paid more on the side. You know, Barcelona has a huge contract uh, for their jerseys with uh, uh, who's their jersey sponsor. Is it still at a, no, it's uh, Qatar Airways. Is that who it is? Uh, no, it's like Rakuten or something. Okay. I don't know. That. Some Asian company, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all of those Barcelona players are, are hands down stars and they're, they're making money through contracts with, you know, Nike, um, you know, with well, yeah, like like Audi sponsors the uh, the seats. So I think uh, Zlatan talked about that in his book. He, you know, they gave him an Audi to drive, but he wanted to drive his Ferrari or something like that. So he just drove his Ferrari. Yeah, there 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 is that story in the Zlatan book uh, that I thought was pretty interesting, where he he demanded. I can't remember whenever he went to go play for one of the Italian teams. He demanded that he get uh, some ridiculously, you know, nice limited edition sports car. Do you remember what the the model was? Mm-hmm. I want to. No. I, I want to say it was like a Diablo or something like that. So, anyways, um, he was promised this, and when the deal finally goes through, the car is not there, and so he walks into the, uh, you know, to the head of the the organization, and he says, "Where the hell's the car at?" And he goes, oh, no, we tried. And, you know, there's a waiting list right now for it. And there's only so many left. And, and we tried our hardest, but we can't we can't make it happen. And so he basically said, OK, well, I'm not going to sign for you then. You know, if you're going to renege on your terms, then we're not you know, I'm not making this move happen. And so they found a way to get Zlatan on that list, the very limited selection list to get this car. Um, and it was said that there was some. Italian politician who missed out on the car because he was um, because Lawton was moved up the list to get it. Well, I mean that's that's just uh, Zlatan being Zlatan. Yeah, that right? yeah that's that is Zlatan being Zlatan. That's the definition of it right there. Um, so, all right, well we'll we'll move on to today's matches. Today being Sunday here while we record um, two two matches that were pretty entertaining. Um, the Spurs Newcastle match finished two nil. Uh, the first half of that match was not very interesting, but the second half did, uh, turn up a little bit considering, uh, John Joe Shelby using his patented cleat sharpeners, um, stomped on Deli Alley's leg right in front of, uh, Andre Mariner and got sent off in about the 50th minute or so. And, uh, Deli Alley turns around and scores a, a goal, very, very shortly after that. And then they tack one on late to, to finish off Newcastle 2-0. Um, and then West Ham, uh, a team that, you know, I, looking at them on paper, you would feel like would be a very competitive outfit. Um, but they looked next to horrible today against United. United racking up four. Uh, 4-0 was the final of that one. Uh, who do you think had a, a more 
uh, or a stronger performance today, United or Tottenham? Uh, I think definitely United did. Um, you know, they looked threatening, you know, after from about 15 minutes in uh, through the rest of the match. They they looked like they were ready to, to, to score at any point. Um, Tottenham uh, looked kind of shaky until, uh, you know, they went a man up and then uh, uh, got in front. Uh, Harry Kane with the... Not a very good tackle. Uh, probably should have been a red. <laughs> yeah, it was It was definitely a striker's tackle. And I missed it on the first go around. I saw him get a yellow card. And then I saw the replay. And I was, I was very surprised that he made it out of that with not getting a red card. Because, I mean, that player went off injured. He didn't come back into the match. And that's even what the Newcastle boss said after the match was um, he felt like the Harry Kane tackle was actually worse than what John Joe Shelby did because... Dele Ali was able to continue and the player that Kane slid tackle from behind had to go off and get replaced. And, uh, you know, it definitely was detrimental to Newcastle's efforts considering they had to sub off two players in the first half, one due to injury or both due to injury, one being the result of Kane's tackle. And then with John Joe Shelby going out early in the, the second half, um, not, not many shining moments for Newcastle. And I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I'm sure that most of the Newcastle supporters would feel the same way that Harry Kane probably should have been sent off, um, as well as John Joe Shelby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but other than that, pretty decent performance for Spurs. Um, but like I said, I think United had uh, the most impressive performance of the weekend. Yeah, I will say that, uh, you know, Mkhitaryan looks like the real deal. He was all over the field, you know, launching balls from deep. Uh, Pogba had a couple of beautiful passes uh, that almost ended in assist. And then at every match I watch with Marcus Rashford out there, I mean, that kid is, he's A-plus quality. He is a burgeoning star, if not a star already. I think that he's got... Um, a long, bright future in front of him. And, you know, hopefully that'll translate to England uh, having a long, bright future in front of them too. But at least for United, um, he's going to be a star for them this season. And I, I could very easily see him racking up 15, 20 goals. Um, and what is he? I mean, is he even 21 yet? No, I think he's uh, 19 right now. Um, but yeah, he, you know, looks like he, he gets better every game. And I think uh, playing with Latin last year, uh, taught him a lot, and uh, it's set him up uh, for a good partnership with Lukaku this year. Um, yeah, so I think uh, he didn't score a goal today. Um, uh, he had a shot that you know bounced off the post after a good move, um, but I think he'll get his uh, fair share of goals and assists this season. Yeah, he he definitely looks like a quality player and a player that United will uh will need this year. Um Lukaku doesn't seem like he's taken any time to settle in there with his two goals today, but um you know, they're going to need every bit of offense. Uh you know, I I do think with their pickup of Modic Modic that uh their defense has improved. I mean, I, I think that's a notable improvement. Um but any team with Juan Mod out there in midfield, you know defensively they're going to struggle. Um you know, just because he doesn't provide the coverage and then the likes of Phil Jones, um, you know, who's aging himself, although looks a little better than what Cahill looked like this weekend in the 15 minutes he got in. Um, you know, I think there's still some question marks surrounding that team as far as their uh, ability to defend, um, but did not matter with West Ham looking like the 11 players out there in the pitch had never played with one another, uh, which is kind of the case. Yeah. Um, I think the, the Monich signing, uh, you know, it really, it really helps Pogba. Because it lets him have the freedom to to go forward, be creative, um, you know, do what he does, uh, score goals, get assists. Um, you know, he doesn't have to worry about you know getting back on defense as much because you know somebody's going to be back there, somebody consistent. So, yeah. So if you're if you're having to look into the mind of Jose Mourinho right now, so this is being the the being Jose Mourinho segment kind of like being John Malkovich um, in his head. Do you think that he honestly believes that in his second season, um, which every other second season of any club that he's ever coached, he has won the league. Do you think that he believes he has a realistic opportunity to win the league with this squad that he has? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that they have it in them. Uh, they're strong at four. They're strong in the midfield. They're strong on the wings. 
um, you know, I think the defense is going to be there. Um, if they can bring in, you know, a left and you know a strong left back, maybe somebody uh, a Welsh left back. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I you know they have the best goalkeeper as well. Yeah, I mean, so. I think arguably the best goalkeeper. I think that David De Gea is a, a quality shot stopper, and, and I will say that I think that his biggest competition, um, as far as goalkeepers in the Premier League is concerned, with Loris, you know, playing for Spurs, the one thing that he does do better than Loris is he's his distribution out of the back um, is a lot more accurate. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a big strength for them. I think that that he definitely probably provides them four or five points a season where could have very easily without him being back there ended in a different result. Um, do want to touch on West Ham. I mean, West Ham, once again, the, the squad on paper looks like quality. You know, they have Chicharito up there now who obviously is not the same Chicharito as whenever he was playing for United. Um, Arnautovic is out there who came over from Stoke this off season. Uh, they've got Zabaleta and Joe Hart, both formerly of Man City with Joe Hart having the in-between uh, in the Italian league. Um, do you think this is a team that finds a way to to compete for top six spots, to compete for European football? Or do you think that this this kind of garage sale approach to putting together a team is 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 not going to to mesh out well well it certainly didn't look like it was going to mesh out well today but um i mean i think they'll get better um i mean that's a tough assignment in the first in the first week um playing at old trafford um but you know i think they made some good signings um they you know er Arnautovic and uh, Chicharito uh, should, uh, you know, probably 25 goals between them this season uh, would be a very, uh, you know, should be on the low end of their expectations for them. Yeah. yeah. One one other thing from that match today, uh, one thing I could not stop thinking about after the match ended was, uh, was about tattoos. Um, so I was not aware that Jose Mourinho has a tattoo on his um, I guess left hand uh, around where his watch goes. There's he has a tattoo mm-hmm. there. Was not a- aware of that. And then also, Arnautovich has a tramp stamp uh, <laughs> that showed at one point during the game, which I uh, not sure if in Europe they are considered tramp stamps or you know there's the same connotation about what those mean and um, convey. But um, he definitely had one uh, down there in the lower back area. Well, he's probably got tattoos on his entire back. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't surprise. He definitely is a very, you know, heavily tattooed individual. But, um, you know, still, I mean, I, I, I guess I technically have tattoos in my lower back. But it, the placement mm-hmm. of it with nothing else around it, at least what you could see, definitely gave the the thought that, uh, that you know, it was kind of a random location for some words to be put. But who knows? Mm. Who cares? So you did have some gossip regarding uh, Spurs, though, this week with uh, some headlines you read about, obviously, Erickson possibly going to Barca, which I think is a serious uh, push that Barca is going to make now that the Philip Coutinho thing seems to have hit a snag. But uh, Derek Rose to Chelsea, I think, is what you tweeted out. So you want to talk a little bit about that and what you saw? Yeah. Danny Rose. Danny Rose. Uh, Derek Rose. I called him Derek Rose earlier today while watching the match, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Did, uh, did I say Chelsea was going to get him? I thought uh, it was United that were going after, that he might go after. Because he was talking about uh, how he wouldn't mind playing up, up north. Yeah, I didn't see the article. Um, I saw that you had tweeted out something from the FKW podcast Twitter handle. I thought it regarded Chelsea, but I could have I could have misread that. It was interesting, though, um, being that Danny Rose earlier this week did come out in the media and basically say that you know when he signed his contract extension, it was with the um, you know with the mindset or guarantee that Tottenham were going to go spend money this offseason. Um, to enhance the squad and if anything they have done the exact opposite by selling Kyle Walker his his fullback partner um, and have made no moves to the positive as far as adding on to the squad 
Um, so a want to get your, your input on, uh, you know, what you think as far as Spurs transfer market so far. And then also, um, what you think about Danny Rose coming out and saying something like that publicly, uh, in the media. Well, um, so supposedly Rose and, uh, the manager Pochettino are, are pretty tight. So some people are, are saying that um, it's kind of a ploy, you know, by them to force uh, the chairman, Daniel Levy, to actually spend some money. Um, you know, maybe they, maybe they have uh, the inside track on a, a certain Real Madrid player uh, returning to the pr- Premier League. That would be a, an interesting pickup. You know, the, their name has not been attached to Gareth Bale, who I think that you are, are speaking of. Um, however, Real Madrid and Spurs have had a lot of transfer business done between the two squads. Um, obviously, Gareth Bale going there, Luka Modric going there. Um, so they know each other quite well. And if Gareth Bale, which all signs do show that he is maybe not favored um, as the Don's new 11, um, that would be interesting, although I don't think that Spurs are willing to splash the cash, even if there's some collusion going on behind the scenes between the manager and, and left back uh, trying to turn the hand of their um, of Daniel Levy, the chairman. Yeah, um, and I, don't, I don't think Bale's you know, leaving Madrid this year. I think it, he'll be there uh, this year. Especially, well, they got to keep him now. Ronaldo's probably going to get suspended a few matches after pushing the referee. I missed that today. I, I did see that he scored a, a pretty ridiculous goal and then uh, got sent off for a second yellow card for simulation. Is that what happened? Yeah, so he came on, a, he came on as a sub. And it was 1-1. And he scores a goal, takes off his shirt, gets a yellow card. <laughs> he looks in good shape. Looks like he's been lifting. I think those rounds with uh, Conor McGregor paid off. Um, I think that was last summer, actually. Either way. Um, and then, you know, probably 10 minutes later, uh, he gets pushed to the ground in the box um, and gets a, another yellow for diving. Uh, looking back at it, I don't, I don't think it was a dive, but he, uh, you know, wasn't happy with the referee and, and gave him a little push. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But Real Madrid... Looks to be in a good position to, uh, to start off the La Liga season um, with a 3 1 uh, first leg win at Barcelona in the uh, Spanish Cup or in the Spanish Super Cup. Yeah, yeah. So they will play their second match of that final um, next week, obviously, probably without Cristiano out there. Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. And, and I think we can all agree if, if one of us had the the body type of Cristiano Ronaldo there. I wouldn't even show up to the match with a Jersey on. Um, I would just play shirtless the whole time. Would you wear like a, a shortcut one? Like uh Zeke? Yeah. Like Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. That would, uh, that yeah. would be an interesting new style in the premier league or not the premier league, but in soccer in general, I guess um, to see the, the crop top, um, mm-hmm. which was obviously very popular in the nineties uh, in college football and even, NFL football and now that Zeke has brought it back although I think that the fact that Zeke has um, now been tied to domestic abuse the popularity of rocking the crop top might be lost on uh, on people yeah um, what do you what do you think about a suspension well six games for that but Tom Brady got four for fucking letting the air out of football (laughs) yeah he just let the air out of the hell he just let the air out of his old lady I mean you know what's the difference right um yeah. So, so I I don't understand where the league can get off and doling out a punishment whenever the justice system is saying that there's not enough evidence there to carry out a case. Now, do I think that there was probably something that happened? Yeah, yeah, I do. And do I think that there needs to be a punishment handed out? Yes. Um, but I think that the any league needs to be taking their cues from the justice department, who you know is written into. Uh, the constitution as the people that are supposed to preside over that. And so I don't understand where uh, the NFL gets off on making their own rulings that, that are just completely, um, 
you know, impervious of how the justice system is moving and what their, uh, what their, um, findings are. But, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened. Um, I think that the NFL as a, a business is, you know, oftentimes finding themselves in the wrong when it comes to these decisions. Um, so, you know, good for them for taking a, a proactive step against domestic abuse, but, um, you know, shame on them for thinking that they can supersede the justice department and, and make up their own rules and hand out their own penalties that, um, you know, affect a player and a team. Well, I think they, uh, they're, you know, obviously they have a 100% right to, uh, suspend him. Um, but I think, I think it's a good thing. Um, cause a lot of times, uh, it's tough to prosecute these cases because sometimes, uh, the witnesses or victims, you know, don't cooperate because, um, you know, just because of the nature of domestic violence. So I think it's good that, you know, these guys get punished for, uh, you know, especially when, uh, you know, they deserve to like Greg Hardy. Um, yeah, but yeah, the count- who the Cowboys also saying. Yeah, you know, the counterpoint is, you know, in this situation, I think in Greg Hardy's situation, it was egregious. You know, there was there were text messages that were released. There were some very graphic photographs. Um, there was a history of violence and um, mental instability. Um, here with Zeke, this all took place prior to him being drafted in the NFL. Um, this was a situation where the the individual who was accusing him did so via social media before anything else, and when followed up with, has you know changed her story multiple times. And and once again, you know, I, I will never, I don't want to sit here and be a denier of domestic abuse, especially as you know it, it plays into NFL ball players' hands because they we we are very familiar with the fact that it happens all too frequently in the NFL. Um, however, I just don't know how the NFL can come to a different conclusion than what the justice department did. You know, how, how can, you know, how can the threshold for guilt be any different for them than it was for, for, um, the courts and the legal system? Well, I think it's a culmination of things. Um, you know, I think if, if that was the only thing that happened, he might've been suspended, you know, one, maybe two, two games. Uh, but you know, with his, you know, when he pulled down that girl's top, uh, St. Patrick's day. And then when he knocked that dude out, you know, like a month ago, I think that definitely played into, into the suspension, both of those incidents, even though, you know, you know, no charges or he's not going to have to deal with any, any judicial system, uh, stuff regarding those incidents. I think they played into the fact that it's a personal conduct policy as well uh, with the NFL, you know, because these guys are, you know, they're, they're role models, you know, kids look up to them. So, well, that, you know, the, the fact that they're role models and kids look up to my, I, I can understand that. And, and if the NFL would have came out and said, due to the accumulation of negative media, negative things that have been coming out about Ezekiel Elliott, this is why we've come to that determination then I probably would have been more supportive of it. But to just wrap it up only in the domestic assault case that was dropped, um, you know, that raises some eyebrows. But, you know, that's, that's just the way the NFL works. You know, they've got a different, uh, a different stance on things. And um, I would say that Ezekiel Elliott probably did not do himself any favors this offseason by his actions at the St. Patrick's Day Parade and then again at the nightclub a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um... So also well, some more news in football. Marshawn Lynch, not not standing up for the national anthem. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what the response will be uh, because he is a very well liked player and a player that has a long history of success in the NFL. Which I think that yes, Colin Kaepernick has been railroaded for his stance. Um, you know, and that's probably a, a big reason why he's not being signed. But it also doesn't help whenever you're just a very average to below average quarterback um you know it there it doesn't take much reason for them to look at a jay cutler to come in as opposed to you um considering your stat line considering your history and play but then also whenever you have all that circulating over your head um so i'm interested to see how that'll play out with marshawn lynch um considering he's not usually someone who's prevalent in the media he's probably not going to take a lot of interviews and answer a lot of questions and do some of the things that colin kaepernick did to speak out on why he's doing it but 
I think that now in, in today's environment, as we've seen um, over the last few months, there is definitely a growing segment of the population who thinks that this is some type of just egregious offense, not standing for the national anthem. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's uh, a lot of people, well, a lot of Oakland fans that probably criticized Kaepernick are going to, you know, be singing a different tune this season because uh, it's their boy, um, you know. Yeah, and, and we can we can spend all day talking about this topic, but it's it's completely ridiculous to have the expectation that everybody has to stand for the national anthem. I mean, you know, the, if that is your form of protest, um, and and many would argue in in those communities and other communities that's a valid form of protest. You know, there's a valid reason behind it, and I think that Colin Kaepernick has been very articulate on the fact of why he is doing it, and it's a mindful decision that he's not just saying, "Oh, you know, screw the United States" or whatever. Like he's come out and said, "This is the reason." He's donated money to the right causes. He's done all these great things um, in response, or in addition to his response. Um, yeah, I just I, I I can't understand why it's such a big deal, but to NFL fans, it is a huge, huge deal that NFL players would do any type of protesting during the national anthem. But in the environment we grew up in, I mean, from day one, whenever you're a United States citizen here, you know, you say the Pledge of Allegiance every day in school. Every single sporting event has the national anthem played at it. Um, you know, there's this this great national pride. That's just basically beat into you every single day of your life here. And you, you watch the Premier League. It's not like the, you know, the English national anthem is playing before each one of these matches. You know, that's a very American thing to have that much pride um, in one's own nation. And I think that it's part of the reason that we're, you know, viewed the way we are by a lot of other cultures. Yeah, um, it is kind of weird, especially uh, during baseball. With uh, they do something during the the seventh inning now. Um, I don't know. Just kind of the nationalism is kind of kind of weird at sporting events. It is. It is, and we're so you know this is the environment we grew up in. So I think that to a lot of people, it's not. It's hard to understand why there would be any type of backlash or any type of other opinion on you know the national anthem being played and the the protesting of it, um, but. If you do look at it from a worldview, there's not many other countries or any other countries that I know of that are that, you know, focused on national pride um, every time anything takes place on the public spectrum. Yeah. So, but anyways, that was our, uh, that was our political corner for the minute, uh, for the podcast this week. Um, so looking ahead to next weekend, um, notable games want to get you real quick, just your, uh, your thoughts on who comes out on top, who goes down, any surprises. Uh, we'll start with United versus Swansea city. That's the early kickup on Saturday. How do you see that one playing out? I think, uh, United will take, will take care of business. Um, I'll get another win. Stay top of the table. All right. Um, next up, West Ham uh, with another week behind them uh, facing Southampton. Um, and then also Liverpool and Crystal Palace, both of those matches kicking off uh, as soon as that United game concludes. How do you see those two playing out? Um, I think Liverpool will, uh, you know, get take three points at home. And uh, I think Southampton, West Ham, I think, you know, West Ham might, you know, see themselves sitting at the bottom of the table after after the weekend. Wow. Uh, bold, bold, bold. Um, and then the late game that day is Arsenal-Stoke City. Any surprises there? Do you think the, the Gunners see it out? Um, I, th- I think we'll f- find out how how well Arsenal is going to handle this season um, with this match. So playing at Stoke is always tough. Um, but, you know, if, if they pull off three points, uh, I think that'll tell us a lot about their ambitions this season. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, the game of the weekend has to be on Sunday, uh, the late kickoff on Sunday, Spurs and Chelsea, a London Derby, uh, second match of the season, Chelsea come off. Um, obviously a disappointing performance will be without Tim Cahill. Um, how do you see that one, uh, finishing? Um, I, honestly, I think, uh, Tottenham are going to pull away with the win, um, at Wembley. Um, 
what what do you think about that match? Yeah, that's your team. Yeah, it's intriguing. You know, um, we at being Spurs have had a lot of success against Chelsea over the last two or three seasons. Um, uh, I, I think that for some reason we have had the ability to come in outside of the the season that we finished uh, third and we played Chelsea on the last day of the season um, and weren't able to close out. Uh, the season in second. Um, other than that match, I, I believe that Spurs has won three of the four over the last two seasons. So um, I think that they come in with the right mindset. Um, I think that they will find a way to win at Wembley. Um, and I do think that Chelsea will be, after two matches, sitting on zero points and asking a lot of questions uh, about the squad they have on hand there. Mm-hmm. Um and then the the match on Monday, uh, City hosting Everton. How do you see that? Yeah, yeah. Usually you would think that a, a Everton squad playing City would, would put up a good fight. And I think despite Wayne Rooney's uh, storied rivalry with Manchester City, I don't think that they have quite the talent level to to see it out. I think that the, the young kid up front, Jesus, um, and uh, obviously um, Kun Aguero, uh, the one-two punch of them two up front is just going to be too much. Um, I, I see that one being a close to a route city, probably three, one over Everton. Okay. Um, so, uh, I have a, a couple listener questions for you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. Um, so how are, how are you liking your new vehicle? Uh, the new vehicle, the mini Cooper, um, is, is wonderful. Um, although I did already get a flat and one of the run flats and replacing a run flat tire is, uh, a bit pricey so that was um not not that easy to digest after only having the car for you know less than a month and putting less than 2000 miles on it but love it outside of that damn that sucks how do, how do you uh, get the flat i don't know I, you know it it was sunday of last week i believe whenever the sensor came on and i just had my little brother in town for the weekend and i believe that whenever i was taking a shortcut through this alley over here by my apartment um that i picked it up there they've been doing some construction and and that's the only place i can really think that maybe i would have picked up a screw in the tire damn that sucks yeah Well, okay, so uh, second fan question for you is uh, um, how do you think Arsenal will fare this year? Um, That's a great question, and and I can understand why you would pose it to me, being that um, obviously I have a vested interest in the real, true uh, team from the north, Tottenham. But I I think that that Arsenal, from what I saw earlier this week, um, you know, on Friday against Leicester, I I think that they're going to finish top four you know I, I think that they might have just what enough to get them uh over the hump that is probably liverpool uh maybe united even uh you know obviously there's a long season to play out and the whole alexi sanchez saga will be an interesting thing to watch um but if lacazette is everything that he looked to be on friday uh i think that they've got a, a good shot of finishing in top four and, and finding their way into champions league football the following season. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think uh our Arsenal supporter wankers and wankettes will uh appreciate that uh you know, positive prediction. Yeah, well I I, I always try to be unbiased as much as it hurts. Um, you know, I, I I do try to have some uh journalistic integrity about myself. So uh thank you to uh the Texas Tech School of mass communications for uh you know instilling that virtue in me Hmm. okay so anything else that you want to touch on before we uh before we wrap it up this week uh no that's about it awesome covered everything cool 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 well uh thank you again to our sponsor this week uh you know the shelby uh cleat sharpeners are definitely the way to go whenever you're looking to um, up your game or a stamp on an ankle, whatever it may be. Uh, remember, uh, spay and neuter your animals. Um, help stop the spread of homeless cats and dogs. Steven? Did you get another dog? No, 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 I didn't. I did. Uh, I fostered that one for a single day and found its, found its owner, so that was good. 
Well, uh, make sure and give us a follow at FKW Podcast on Twitter. Um, send in your user questions or commentary to fkwpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure and rate and subscribe us. Uh, any and all feedback is welcomed. Stephen, any final words for the fans before we call it a night? Uh, no, I think uh, just looking forward to a good, good uh, Premier League season. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Well, thank you, Stephen. It's been a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you again next week.